The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. All right, dude, I got to ask, how's the back? Back is still on the back where it belongs. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, as with everything at this age, uh, it's a slow, slow-moving process. Mm. Um I am able to ride my bike some. Okay. So maybe maybe I'm fully healed. Maybe that's what qualifies as fully healed and feeling like I used to feel isn't a thing anymore. You know, like... <laughs> the new normal? Maybe this is the new normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quick to uh, accept that, and I would be surprised if you were. Well, you're better at, uh, at accepting those things than I am, so there's that. I I don't know maybe I don't know if there's acceptance or a cultivated resignation. <laughs> you you I was watching the <laughs> please I was I was watching a movie the other night where this guy at the, in the opening scene this guy gets fired after like 20 years in his job and it's you know it's laid out like it's a real sad thing and I was like man what a relief what a great day that guy's having he got the day off and tomorrow he doesn't have to work either that's kind of where I am with life stuff I'm just sort of like oh it's over cool <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. I did have occasion to think of you and your back while I was uh, in Monterey this past weekend for the Sea Otter Classic. I picked up my backpack one morning um, shortly after, you know, getting out of the shower and getting dressed. And I'm about to head off to Laguna Seca and be out in the sun and the dust and the wind all day. And I picked up that backpack and my my back went, um, you might want to rethink that move. Yeah. And that was... That's exactly what happened to me. Mm. I was out of commission for really most of a month, and it all started with, I was at physical therapy, and I was doing a squat, and my back went, hey, what? You got hurt at physical therapy? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in physical therapy for this I am crazy Achilles tendonitis I, I have. Oh, no, you're going to laugh at me. I was, I mean, I think it's hilarious, too. I mean, I was at physical therapy doing a thing for my ankle uh, when I stood up and my back went, uh, 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 excuse me? That's like the stuff. And at the, the time, I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, that was a weird comment my back made. And, uh,. You know, then within about a week, I was like f- um, fully rigid. <laughs> oh, 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 I, 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 I promise I am not laughing at you, but just the absurdity, the the ridiculousness, and and complete 
abdication of any sort of justice in this universe that that encompasses. Uh, wow. Wow. Getting hurt at physical therapy, yeah. giving yourself a new injury. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would not want to be your physical therapist. I, I think I'd be in a closet yeah. with a plastic bag over my head. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, the thing is, I go for it all the time. If I'm on my mountain bike, I go for it. If I'm at physical therapy, I go for it. And sometimes you get hurt when you go for it. That's just how it is. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I wish that I had a story about like falling off of an apparatus at physical therapy, but it wasn't. It was like my body just did this little wobble. Uh-huh. And in that moment, some grave da- damage was affected. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, uh, all righty. Well, um, Maybe yeah. this is the juncture at which we move on to an actual show. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about bike stuff. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So we had another question from uh, TCI reader and listener John, who I, I affectionately refer to as Johnny Romano. Uh, last last time he sent us a question, but and I was. I was going to talk about mountain bikes this week. I was going to talk about how to choose the right mountain bike, but I read John's question and it got stuck in my head. So I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, let's do this this week. I, I, I thought I knew the answer to his question before I read what he wrote. Mm-hmm. And then after I read it, I wasn't sure anymore. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So he wrote, How shall we refer to ourselves? Apparently, cyclist is perceived as a hardcore racer type, while a bicyclist is a regular person who rides bikes. This came up in our local club when we were expanding our constitutional purpose to include support for commuting. Does the language matter? Is this a distinction without a difference? That's his his question. Mm. So what do we call ourselves and does it even matter? Um, So first, I think language almost always matters. I agree. uh, Which is not a shocking thing for a writer to say. But uh, Wittgenstein, this is going to get pretentious. (laughs) Wittgenstein said the the limits. (laughs) Yeah, heads up. The limits of my language mean the limits of my world. In other words, your ability to understand your lived experience is proscribed by your ability to express it in language. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the fancy German philosopher aside, I mean, that is entirely true. Right. How do you conceive of a thing? You know, this is part of our um, struggle with... I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole again for listeners who were thought I went off the deep end a few weeks ago. But this is, gets at our ability to understand what came before the Big Bang, uh, where the universe is going to end, because we just don't have language to talk about certain extents of time or uh, non-causal physical states. Have I mentioned ketamine? We just don't have... <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, we don't have the language for that yet. But anyway, so what I take away from that is that perceived meaning can have an enormous influence on somebody's ability to identify with a thing. Yeah. Cycling, for example, or to disassociate from it. Right. I know what I mean when I say cyclist. I'm 
for me, I mean anyone who rides a bike. But that might not be actually the common perception. And I, you know, we all make this mistake of thinking our perception is the common perception. Um, now I kind of see in a different light this joke that I make with people. Because uh, a lot of uh, sort of people I know casually will say, oh, well, you're a serious biker. They say that to me. Well, you're a serious biker. Mm-hmm. And I always say, a bikers wear leather jackets and annoy everyone with their noise pollution. I just ride bikes and annoy everyone with my existence. <laughs> I'm a cyclist. Mm. Um, so now I'm open to the idea that most people perceive cyclist as a certain type of bike rider. Someone in Lycra with special shoes, maybe, and maybe some synthetic nutrition in their back pocket. (laughs) Bicyclist, I suppose, could work, but it strikes me as sort of precious. I'm a bicyclist, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what we're trying to avoid, I think, trying to be too precious. Is bike rider better? It's actually the same number of syllables as cyclist. <laughs> thinking that. God, we are nerds. Depend- well, you know, yeah, exactly. Word nerds. I was like, well, cyclist, that's three syllables. Cyclist is two. It's the same word. So it's just about where you, how you do it. Mm-hmm. But is bike rider better? In my mind, which I've already said is the one we probably can't trust, it's it is all a distinction without a difference. But as John, our uh, reader listener, points out, perceptually, I do think there are differences. So I'm not sure I have the final answer on this, but I will say that I'm willing to use whichever term lowers the barrier to entry for the greatest number of people. If listeners have good ideas about this, uh, please do drop them in the comments because I would be. Uh, it's just the sort of nerdery I would love to explore uh, more deeply. What, what's your hot take on well, all this? I think you just said it quite perfectly. I want the term that is most inclusive and most friendly without carrying any pejorative connotations. When someone says biker, that's usually said, my experience is that that's said from a place of not being entirely enthusiastic about our presence anywhere on a paved surface. Um, oh, mm. you're a biker. You know, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh. Yeah, but don't you think those people, like, you could call yourself a zebra and they'd be like, oh, you're a zebra. Like, they just already don't like you. Yeah, but there's this, uh, oh, you eat kittens. Ah. You know, <laughs> I... Um, there's just this, there's, are kittens good ride food? I would eat a kitten. I'm not against eating kittens. Go on. The noise of it though would just, it'd be sort of unsettling for me. (sighs) Yeah. Good point. (laughs) That's disturbing. Let's stop that. Patrick, don't go there. Yeah. So, um, no. So when people ask me, oh, well, you know, are you a cyclist? Are you a, this, are you a mountain biker? I hold up my hands like in surrender And I say, you know, I just say I'm cyclophilic. If it's got two wheels, pedals, and handlebar, I'm in. And that goes to the heart of what you're saying, which is I just want to say that I like bikes. I'm not picky. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
trying to do all I can not to be highfalutin, my nerdery aside, uh, that's, that's just genetically hardwired into my stuff. And I can't really change that. I love bikes. Uh, and I think it's okay to love bikes and to love cycling, uh, or bicycling or riding. Um, I think those are all wonderful things. And, you know, when we coined, uh, our, our tagline for the cycling independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. I mean, that goes again, that goes to the heart of what's on my mind. I want this pursuit to be as welcoming to as many people as possible without ideologies or affiliations or brands or any of that stuff. But I am against anything that's going to carry what I perceive to be a pejorative connotation. Um, If I'm being put down, I'm going to do what I can to sidestep that to get out of whatever sort of conversational conflict that is and just say, no, I I dig bikes. Bikes are fun, right? You've ridden a bike. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I care about. Um, If I'm, if I'm at a point where I'm sitting down with other people looking at a bike club constitution, I've made a mistake in my day. (laughs) I'm not saying they have. So maybe that's the answer for John. I'm not saying John's made a mistake. Back slowly out of the room, friend. (laughs) Um, I, uh, I mean, does anybody call commuters anything other than commuters? I don't know. You know, I think as, as we're sort of, as I'm sort of back, uh, back of the brain thinking about it, uh, I think bike rider is probably just fine. Bike rider. That seems just about as Wikipedia entry as you can get bike rider. Like if you can project uh, negative connotations onto bike rider, will you just, I don't know. <laughs> what do you, are you, are you a monster's truck aficionado? <laughs> and you just dream of rolling over us? Like, I don't know. Bike rider can't be negative, right? It, it's, it's hard. Uh, but I, you know, I, I also want to push back on this, you know, because they, what, when I do the, my joke about bikers wear leather jackets and, and make a lot of noise, part of what I'm trying to say to people also is like, I'm, I really like bikes. Like my life is kind of organized around bikes, but to call me serious is maybe not right. (laughs) You know, it's like if someone, if someone was doing puzzles all the time, would you say like, Oh, you're a puzzleist. You're, you're a serious puzzler. I don't know. It's just the thing that I like to do with my time. Like, let's not turn it into a, some sort of, uh, cast system of outdoor activity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I just like leaving it as loose as possible. These days yeah. to me, yeah. a cyclist yeah, is anybody who rides bikes around. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. Like maybe we just need to alter the definition of cyclist or maybe we go to bike rider. I don't know. As I said, anyone out there listening, if you've got feelings and thoughts, dump them in the comments because I, I really want to. I, I would like to hear more about this, more points of view. Yeah, I, I welcome more conversation on it. Um, mm. You know, but yeah, anything we can do to make how we talk about this activity uh, seem, <laughs> well, less uptight, um, you yeah. know, less 
tribal, um, you know, all of that would be good and welcome. Yeah. What's the word? Let's find it. Yeah. Let's find yeah. it. Cool. All righty. Well, I think we've, uh, we've at least brushed this horse, if not beaten it. Yes. So we're going to take a break and we'll. It's a lot of animal abuse happening I, metaphorically I, I, on the show today. We need to get rid of that. I, yeah. Let's take a break. Yeah. Regroup. Yes. <laughs> yes. In, in roughly a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by the Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. What's your pull this week? So last week was the return of the Sea Otter Classic, which is the world's single largest cycling event from a participatory standpoint. Um, and with it, what passes for my social life, um, there w- <laughs> there was a sea otter last fall, but it was sparsely attended by both exhibitors uh, and the media and consumers. Uh, it Somebody described it as being a little bit like a ghost town. Um, but this one was, to use a turn of phrase, full strength. There were roughly 350 exhibitors in addition to the dozens of races going on. I mean, it traditionally sea otter there's, if there's a variety of racing that one could engage in on bicycles, pretty much they've had it there. BMX is about the only thing they've never done. There was a year where they were actually using Mary, uh, not, uh, what is it? The velodrome up in San Jose, uh, Hellier Park. They oh. they ran sea otter events like whatever it was, fifty miles away. Um, right. It's spring. They've had cyclocross races. They there's an awful lot of racing that goes on, but more and more the the event is actually overshadowed by the expo. Um, most of the quote unquote new stuff I saw had already been released. You know, but. Because pandemic, you know, nobody's waiting for anything, you know, but consumers and media hadn't had a chance to see most of this stuff in person. Um, there were a few absolutely new things that were put on display there. Um, but I saw, regardless, a whole lot of really terrific stuff. <laughs> Easily, the most interesting thing I saw wasn't even in the expo. Uh, it was set up in front of the media center. It's called Spoke. Uh, the company is Spoke Safety, so spokesafety.com. And it's an early detection and warning system for cars, bike, and smart infrastructure. Uh, it uses technology that falls under the cellular to everything umbrella. 
So 10 times a second, vehicles and bikes with spoke ping their position. Uh, it means that cars equipped with it see bikes um, and are alerted to their presence, and cyclists with it will know when there is a car approaching. Uh, of course, both car and bicycle have to be uh, equipped with this. But even, even cars uh, with it will, to some degree, see bikes that don't have it. It's, it's pretty remarkable. What makes this especially interesting is the way it has the ability to see around corners. So I got to see a demonstration from both the cyclist's perspective. I rode a bike and had a spoke-equipped car drive by me, um, as well as from the driver's perspective, uh, and watch the system go from a gentle alert to a much more emphatic announcement. In extreme cases, I'm told, the system would have the ability to automatically brake in order to avoid a collision. Uh, it's, it's literally the only thing I saw at Sea Otter that is guaranteed to save lives. It will become available <sighs> in late 2023. Um... And all 2024 model year Audis will be equipped with it. The f huh. Yeah. The folks that spoke uh, say they're working with a number of manufacturers in both the automotive industry and the cycling industry to achieve its integration into new bikes. Um, and for those who have a number of bikes, there is a small black box that can be dropped in a jersey pocket. Um yeah, this thing's absolutely remarkable. Um, Is it equipped with lasers for removing approaching obstacles? That feels okay. Uh, I, Never mind. The flamethrower is a coming option, not till 2025. Yes, 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 um, yes, yes, yes. But uh, one of the things they're talking about is like getting the technology included, uh, integrated into a battery on an e-bike. So that when you charge your battery yeah. up, you're just, you're ready to go. It's all there as part of the thing. Um, seriously, this is, this is going to be, you know, everybody who's worried about bikes getting run over by autonomous cars. This is the technology that's going to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, uh. it's, it's fantastic. Um, absolutely. My favorite thing I, I saw at Sea Otter. I also saw a new rear hub from a Belgian company called Classified. Uh, it features a two-gear planetary system that is electronically shifted through uh, a wireless connection. The technology is so impressive that uh, former pros Tom Bonin and Andre Greipel have both invested in them. Uh, and even Tornado Tom was at Sea Otter to talk about how impressed he is by it. I got to ride it on a trainer, and not only is the shifting instantaneous, but it doesn't even hesitate under full load. Just suddenly, you have to work much harder to turn the pedals, or suddenly you're about spun out. Um, the difference uh, in terms of gear development, the difference between the easy gear and the hard gear, is a lot like uh, the difference between um, you know a compact uh, small ring and large ring maybe just a little bit more than mm. that. Um, they will sell complete wheel sets, um, but they will also offer uh, build kits with the hub and the shifter and all that. Uh, 
it will only work with through axle systems because the battery is actually um, in uh, in the through axle, so it's easy to charge. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a relatively new company called Oracase. That's O R U C A S E that I'd been hearing about uh, for a little while now. Uh, a friend of mine had been telling me about them and they showed off a new folding travel case that will make it easier for someone to fly with their bike safely. And then when they get home or when they get to their hotel room or whatever, store the case, uh, the base will actually fold in half. Uh, and for anyone who owns a travel case, they are probably in touch with the terrific fun that storing said travel case is not. Um, so I, I was it's like having another car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they also make uh, some other cases that while technically oversized because they're sort of trapezoid shaped, they're difficult to measure and usually end up flying <laughs> under the radar. Um there's something vaguely the airline takes their tape measure out and then starts and is like, Oh, never mind. <laughs> kind of. From what I understand, they kind of just, yeah. they take the easy measurement and any of the easy measurements, uh, don't result in the perception that it's oversized. So they're a bootstrapped operation and I, the guys behind them, I just like them a whole lot and they're producing some really terrific products. Uh, so Anybody looking at a travel case certainly should look at Oro case. Um, at Shimano, I got a walkthrough on the new Dura-Ace and Altegra group sets. I have to give Shimano at this juncture credit for finally making a version of Altegra that makes its own sales pitch. Um, never in Shimano's past have Altegra and Dura-Ace been more similar the braking performance is the same. The shifting is the same. The durability is the same. Um, and it, if anything, the durability on Altegra is superior to Durace because of some of the materials used. Durace is lighter, but much more expensive. No longer will riders have to ask themselves what they are willing to give up to justify Altegra. The question is now, how do you justify dropping so much money on something that does nothing more than lose weight? I mean, seriously, hmm. John, I remember when we had to keep track of the difference in cassette spacing between Altegra and Durace, because if you had an Altegra rear derailleur and tried putting a Durace cassette on that wheel, it wasn't going to shift right no matter what you did. Mm. Uh, you couldn't mix and max, mix and match uh, shifters between Altegra and Durace. Altegra and 105 were interchangeable, but nothing was interchangeable with Durace. And it was a headache. Uh, this is, I mean, they've made the stuff standardized for a few years now, but this is a really interesting uh, development for them. And uh, one I like a whole lot. I know that cons yeah. I, I love I love a trade show. I love a trade show just because you can, you know, because we we're in the in the industry, so to speak, not even so to speak. We're in the industry. <laughs> and so we read about these things and we're aware of them. But it makes such a difference when you can see them and feel them and understand, 
in that way. Like, what is this thing really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, writing uh, a new product on a stationary trainer is not hugely recreational, mm, right. but it's a really fun way to get a feel for, you know, just how different is this thing? Um, right. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed seeing this stuff. Um, I guess I've been a little starved for it, in fact. So I know that consumers often complain that bike companies look for excuses to introduce new products that we don't actually need. I tend to take issue with that, um, but I do understand why some people believe that. I think the answer lies in digging down a little further. Um, I did run across a company where that is undeniably not the case. Uh, and that is Prevelo, the kid's bike brand. Uh, and this one's really funny. They are about to introduce uh, some new 26-inch wheel mountain bikes. Why? Because the earliest adopters of Prevelo's bikes are now in middle school. <laughs> and they've outgrown mm -hmm. everything that that Prevelo makes. Um, the 26-inch right. bikes aren't out yet, but I spoke with Jacob, their owner and founder, and he was pretty excited to have the bikes com uh, coming. Um, it, Did he preview at all the 29ers that they're going to start making three years from now? <laughs> 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 no, but the, 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 the gentle amazement on his Sorry, face Jacob. was uh, pretty amusing. Um, I like that yeah. guy a lot. Uh, he's somebody who, when he needs help, he's gone out and hired the best minds that he can get and has always benefited in the education that comes from it. Uh, neat, neat, smart guy. And one really, uh, uh, really, who really cares about uh, a kid's bike experience. Um yeah. You look at some of the kids bikes that are out there and those, uh, you know, there's some 20 inch wheel mountain bikes that, you know, actually have suspension forks on them, but it's a steel spring with no preload adjustment. You know, you can like yeah. change the travel yeah. and that's it. Uh, and unless the kid right. is like, you know, wearing, um, um, I don't know, uh, the bigger clothes, um, uh, they, they really can't make that fork move much. Um, and so it's kind of just right, a boat anchor right. on the front end of the bike. I've seen a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. And this is just so much better yeah. thought through. Yeah. Um, one other thing that my nerdy little heart really got excited about was, <laughs> um, honestly, uh, about one of the coolest gear bags I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's from Thule. And so that should not surprise anyone, least of all me. Uh, it's called the Round Trip Duffel. So it's part of their travel line of stuff. They call their bike cases the Round Trip. Um, the, the bag has a 55 liter capacity, uh, which is an awful lot of water bottles when you think about it. Um, and mm. more compartments than a jewelry chest. And it's as organized as an office manager, I say. Uh, <laughs> as someone who is, I, I've, I've wanted the right gear bag and mostly I've wanted a tote, something that's just open that I can toss in the back of the car and reach in. Um, this is an actual duffel, mm -hmm. you know, it's got a flap that, that zips shut, 
But I mean, I've gone as far as to look in hardware stores for a better gear tote. Um, and this thing, it's just, it's got a little bit of everything. And yeah, it could serve as a weekender bag just for all your cycling kit. You'd still need something for your jeans and t-shirts, but as one bag to get away with say three or four days worth of riding, um, this thing, it kills, it just mm. kills. Um, and, uh, so I may be sharpening up a credit card here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it was nice to see the event back and to be out there. Yeah. Um, I'd never really care for the wind, um, at that place because, um, when it's wet, it blows the rain sideways into the tents and you can't get away from it. And when it's dry, mm-hmm. it blows the dust around until it gets in your ears. I had to go to the drugstore <laughs> and buy Visine again. Um, cause I forgot to pack oh. it cause it's been so long since I've been there. But for anyone who's ever wanted to have a weekend where they just geek out on bike stuff, just undeniably roll around in the, the wondrousness that is the world of cycling I really can very highly recommend the Sea Otter Classic. Uh, Monterey is not the worst place to visit either. No, no. Um, it's a, it's, you know, as drives go, it's a weird one to do, but it's not that hard to fly into. Um, yeah. Uh, nice place. Um, and a great sushi, sushi restaurant there in Monterey, which we went to two nights in a row. Oh. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. So... I'm glad to hear you've been screwing around on company time, Brady. Uh, you know me. I've, <laughs> my priorities are always questionable. Um, that's how you- I'm kidding. You know, the TCI mission statement is screw around. That's, <laughs> that's what we yeah. do. Well, that's how you wind up with a career writing about cycling. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I think my father did call it screwing around. Um <laughs> All righty, let's move on to Paceline Picks. What's yours this week? All right. Uh, this week, I'm going upscale. This is going to be a weird pick for me. Uh-oh. Yeah, I try to, generally speaking, you know, I try to include a lot of affordable, practical, valuable items in my picks. Mm-hmm. But this week, I'm going to pick a luxury item. Uh, the Rafa Crew Neck Knit Jumper. I got to tell you, it bothers me that they call it a jumper. And not just a sweatshirt, which is what it is. <laughs> but I guess if you're going to affect Euro suaveness, you have to be committed to the role. Hmm. Anyway, I bought two of these back in the day when my buddy Zach Dab was running the Rafa store in Seattle. And it's one of those items I reached out and touched and thought, oh no, I'm going to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> I I don't I I don't know I've ever, that I've ever had the experience of saying, "Oh no, I'm going to buy this." I've certainly said, "Oh, I'm going to buy this," but I don't think I ever included the no. Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't I mean, and I uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say this properly. I don't see myself in Rafa generally, but you know, I looked I was there in the store. I was I actually did a an event there. I I did a little presentation and, um, but it was before the presentation, I was kind of like pacing the store nervously. And, uh, 
I saw this sweatshirt and I was like, oh, I really like that color. And I reached out and touched it. And that's when I was like, oh, no, now I'm buying it. <laughs> so I would pay so money for a YouTube clip of that. Ah, oh, crap. I got to buy this. <laughs> um, uh, here's why I love it. The Merino is warm and very breathable. These are the things that we know about Merino, but it's more true with this item than most. Uh, it's like the quality of the Merino is very good. I wear it on the bike and I wear it off the bike. It's a great mid layer for any activity. N now you're sort of seeing how it overlaps with most of my picks. I don't really like specialty, specialty, specialty things, but if I can wear something on the bike and then also just wear it around, uh, that's probably a good, good deal for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just so versatile, versatile. Yeah. That while it costs, I think, $165 retail, I still think if you've got that kind of disposable cash, it's worth having mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it just you can just wear the thing all the time. And it's a good bike uh, bike thing as well. I mean, it's Rafa, so it looks sharp, uh, but it doesn't look so Rafa, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Does that make sense? It, 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 uh, yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> it lives in their city riding collection uh but i can tell you that it does real great for early spring grocery shopping too well isn't that city riding yeah or, or i guess technically it is but i don't ride into the store because that's they don't they frown on that people are so picky um uh, they are. Um, I would be out of your way much faster if I were on a bike. Anyway, uh, I have one in, in light gray, and uh, which I spelled G-R-E-Y in my notes just to uh, keep it raftastic. And I have one in burgundy uh, because after I bought the first one, I loved it so much, I tipped over into buying another one. <laughs> and I wore one or the other multiple days of the week. Uh, and I've had them both for, I think, seven or eight years now. And they look new. Uh, they wear very well, and you can wash them without ruining them. And uh, that's my pick. And, and these are still in the, the Rafa lineup? They are. You know, that uh, actually... Currently, I think... Go for it. Only black is available currently, uh. Uh, I believe. Or maybe it's navy blue. I have a little bit of color... <laughs> It's not color blindness. I, I can tell red from green, but I have a real hard time telling navy blue from black. So I'm not sure what the current the color problem is. With navy blue. Yeah. Uh, is it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> navy blue is dislikable in my book. Um, you know, it's significant that you bought these, you know, whatever, seven or eight years ago, and they are still in Rafa's catalog because they don't have any problem discontinuing an item. So if it's been around for that many seasons, um, it's been a wildly successful piece for them um, and must be getting great reviews from buyers. So you cannot be alone. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's like a lot of this best cycling stuff, in my opinion, which is that you can use it for you can ride a bike in it and you can do other things in mm -hmm. it because I don't I don't like to have too much clothing. <laughs> uh. It's not really I'm not trying to have a lot of stuff. I I have uh, abjectly failed to curtail the amount of wardrobe that I have. Uh, I'm 
Well, this is a problem. Steve and I were talking yeah. about this uh, a few weeks ago. This is a problem in the cycling industry because things like T-shirts and socks and other things are like currency. Mm. And you, you just get them and people are always giving you things. And if you write reviews and you do this and you, you know, like you do the things that we do, people are constantly sending you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and there's this, there's this rather, um, miserly, uh, aspect to my personality where I, it's one thing for me to give something to a friend. Um, but if I've got something that's still perfectly useful, uh, if I don't have somebody I want to give it to, I struggle to let go of it. Um, which is why my 12 year old has all my short socks now. <laughs> you know, he, he's going to go his own way, no matter what the rest of the world is doing. And he likes the idea of short socks, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I, I really have trouble letting go of things. I've got a Rafa Jersey that they made a few years back and they decided to go severely old school with it, which is not to say a six inch uh, zipper, but they went with buttons on the shoulder um, and the ends of the sleeves. And I wore it on one ride. And when it got hot at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning in Palos Verdes, and I was trying to unbutton buttons as I was riding and I realized this is ridiculous. It became a casual piece as opposed to a cycling piece. Yes, it's got pockets mm. in the back, but um, yeah, I'm with you. It's a, it's a piece that because of their sport wool, um, it's, you know, it's warm uh, in, in cool conditions and it's still reasonably cool in warmish conditions, but not hot. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I get it. It doesn't look like a sweatshirt though. Double duty. Yeah. yeah. Well, this one's single yeah. duty now. I rejected its original duty. Right, right, yeah. right. Howdy duty. Off label, off label usage. <laughs> Um, what do you got for us? My pick this week, uh, is something that hasn't actually got much use yet. I returned to Prevelo. My eldest outgrew his mountain bike with 20 inches, with 20 inch wheels more than a year ago, probably closer to two years ago. Bad daddy. I finally replaced it with a Prevelo Zulu four, which I picked up, uh, at Sea Otter. Uh, handed him my card and drove home with a new bike. I was rather proud of that. Nice. Um, nice. So the Zulu 4 is a 24-inch wheel mountain bike, which was a size he had to graduate into after he originally launched the company because kids were growing. Uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. So it's a 24-inch mountain bike for kids, but it's got hydraulic disc brakes, uh, a 12-speed SRAM Eagle drivetrain, Plus an air wow. fork that allows the preload to be set to preteen weights. Um, truly, it's a bike that overlooks no detail. The pedals are smaller person sized. The cranks shorter than my son's attention span. The grips are lock on so they don't fly <laughs> off in a kid's hands as they're jumping uh, rocks. And the tires are 2.1 inches wide. A dropper post is even an option. It's another $190, but... You know, what the heck? Uh, yeah. And thanks to an aluminum frame, it's durable without weighing like a boat anchor. Uh, the part that amazes me is that this bike only goes for $989. I, when I was first looking at it, I was thinking, oh my gosh, if, it's, if I'm lucky, this thing's $1,600. Uh, 
Uh, so when he said 989, I was like, uh, let, let me open my wallet. Um, I've seen yeah. lots of bikes for kids, but few, very few come close to the spec of Prevelo and fewer still can come close and be in the ballpark price wise. Um, so yeah. for anybody with a kid somewhere between eh, eight years old and 11 or 12 years old, um, this is a dynamite bike to look at. Um, and now that Phillips old 20 inch wheel bike, uh, can go to Matthew, both boys as of yesterday afternoon, were excited about bikes again. All nice. I had to do was drop money. It's a twofer <laughs> and it just costs money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, alrighty. Well, I think that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. You got anything fun coming up other than just increasing work uh, on your back? I am jetting away uh, to Seattle um, on Sunday uh, to see some friends and to visit the University of Washington with my older son. And I will be there. I'll see my friends at Chris King, drive down to Portland and see my friends at Chris King. And um, yeah. Eat some good food. Uh, are you are you going to fly back home from Portland, or are you going to drive the uh, the two hundred miles back to Seattle? Yeah, we're going to drive back up to Seattle. Okay, we're doing it all. We got I've got an itinerary that's packed so solidly full, um, and took no notice of the fact that it's going to rain like four inches per day every day that we're there. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm in fact, we should probably mention it's not clear what next week's pace line might be because you may be traveling. I'm traveling. So it's we. Yeah. It's no pace line next week, folks. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. We can't promise that's going to happen. And and all likelihood there are it some circumstances. Yeah. 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 Circumstances beyond our control, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. At some point in the next week, I'm due to fly back to Memphis. Uh, so I can say goodbye to my 16 year old cat who's dying of cancer, who I had left in Memphis with my mom to keep her company because her cat just had to be euthanized. I am winning on the cat front. Um, Jeez. Yeah. Send us some suggestions. If you've got an idea, please drop by the cycling independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.